This is Canada Reads American Style, featuring two friends who love Canada Reads and Canadian literature. Welcome our host Rebecca from Michigan and Tara from Ontario. Hey, welcome fellow Canadian lit lovers. Unfortunately, Rebecca is unable to join us today, so I have the pleasure of speaking to poet Jennifer Mariani by myself today. So Jennifer was born and raised in Harare, Zimbabwe. At 17, she moved to Manchester, England to continue her ballet training. At 20, upon returning to Zimbabwe, she briefly worked with the National Ballet and Tambuka Dance Company. Jennifer moved to Canada in 2004 and currently resides in Calgary, Alberta, with one partner, two daughters, three cats, and numerous volumes of Pablo Neruda's poetry. Her latest collection of poems is entitled All Forgotten Now. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. I'm happy to have the opportunity to speak to you. I loved your collection of poems. It was beautiful, and I read it several times, just getting ready for it and really digging into the imagery, because your imagery was beautiful for Zimbabwe. Thank you. Now, I found that the collection moved linearly from your childhood in Zimbabwe to your status as immigrant in Canada and then ending with motherhood in Canada. Let's begin with your childhood and the poem Iniquities. So in the poem, you describe your childhood as being so different from most of the country's population. But as a child, you weren't aware of the difference. So one of the lines was, how would I have known what no one wanted us to see? When did you become aware of this difference? Well, I'll give some context on my childhood in Zimbabwe first. I was born in 1982, so that was two years after independence, which took place after a 15-year war of liberation in the country. Um, So that war was a huge part of my parents' lives, and I was growing up in the 80s as Zimbabwe was a newly independent uh, country from being a British colony. I knew as a child that there was a difference between black and white people in Zimbabwe in terms of equality, but it was blatantly considered normal in most circles. I think the full realization was something that was a slow process as I got older. It came to me in bits and pieces from conversations with others. I had a pen pal in South Africa And I remember getting a letter in which she talked about the new South Africa. It was 1994, so by that time I was already 12 years old, and I didn't know about apartheid at the age of 12. Um, There was no education about it at school at the time, and in hindsight, that, that seems bizarre to me, but there was also very little education on the history of our own country. Um, people were dying for their freedom. And when the end of apartheid came, I had to go and ask my mom, you know, what does my friend mean by the new South Africa? I was a white girl living in suburban Harare, going to private school, taking ballet and piano lessons. Well, just across our border, there was a triumphant end to a bloody and tragic era. Um, From talking to black Zimbabwean friends as an adult, they were not only aware of apartheid, but they felt that it was their fight too. It was symbolic for them because even though we didn't have apartheid in Zimbabwe, the black people had been treated much the same way in our history and in many ways were still being treated as second-class citizens. There were worse things happening in Zimbabwe in the 80s, uh, like Gukuruhundi. Soon after independence, this genocide 
began in Zimbabwe, uh, the ruling party turned against the Indebele in the south of the country. And um, this went on for, I would say, five years from 1982 to 1987. And I think there's an immense privilege in being able to protect your children from uh, evil or even from the knowledge of that evil uh, at such a young age. But there were children in Zimbabwe during that genocide who didn't have the option. And I think that's the crux of what I try to get to in that poem. Estimates are that maybe 20,000 people were murdered uh, during the genocide. And we know now it was intentionally suppressed in the media, both in Zimbabwe and abroad. In one of uh, in that poem, Iniquities, I mention a black friend by name. And he remembers hiding under his bed when the army came for his dad. And we became friends as adults. I met him actually here in Calgary. And he remarked once that we didn't grow up in the same Zimbabwe. And that really was the basis for this poem. Wow. So in the next poem, Unearthed, it speaks of your immigrant experience when you came to Canada. And I'm just going to quote here, not belonging here, but blending in. Can you please describe your experience, your immigrant experience to us? I first came to Canada in 2004. I was 21 when I arrived. I remember everyone being very welcoming and very kind. I also remember at the time um, thinking most of the people I interacted with were predominantly white and spoke English. I felt that I blended in because of the color of my skin, uh, because I already spoke the language where I had come to. I wasn't immediately identifiable as an immigrant until I opened my mouth and then people heard that I had a different accent. Culturally, it felt different to me. I had spent three years at ballet school in the UK because Zimbabwe was once a British colony and my maternal grandfather was British. I felt that I had a good understanding of the British culture and assimilated into it quite easily. Uh, most of my knowledge of North American culture was gleaned from TV shows that we watched. So I would say it was very stereotypical and more American than Canadian. Mm -hmm. I felt that it was easy to start a new life here in Canada. I had a job, a work visa. People that I worked with were pleased to help me get set up, to get settled in. There was just no end to the generosity I experienced. And I know that for a lot of people starting a new life in a new country, it's not always the case to just be able to blend in so easily. And I even remember my ballet students assuming that because I came from Zimbabwe, that I had come here as a refugee. Wow, that's interesting. Um, so I know from your poems, when you talk about the difference coming to Canada, the cold was something for you. And we all know that Canada is known for its winters, but the cold seems to be more than a simple physical experience for you. So I want to just quote a couple more of your poems just because I really love these lines. So from the poem Red Run, and my soul crawls into the frozen ground. And then from bird song after a bomb, the cold picks me apart like vultures at a carcass. I am erased bit by bit. Tell us about your relationship with the cold, and I hope it has improved. <laughs> um, I wish I could say that my relationship yeah. with has improved. I'm not sure that would be entirely truthful. Uh, growing up in Zimbabwe, I took for granted this very temperate climate that we had. We're so near the equator, you know, our even our winters, they're very mild and dry. Um, sometimes I used to like, and people would say, well, what are your winters in Zimbabwe like? And I would say, well, if you imagine a, you know, 18, 20 degree summer day in Calgary, that's a winter's day in Zimbabwe. <laughs> 
And so just to give you some context there, I hadn't seen snow until I was 14 years old when we were visiting Scotland. And, you know, the first time I saw snow, it was very much that romantic uh, picture perfect postcard uh, sort of thing. But the cold and snow in Canada is something it's it's uh, very harsh. It's something I've never quite acclimatized to. And growing up, the weather was such an important part of our lifestyle. We were always outdoors, playing in the garden, swimming. Sports was a big part of life there. And the weather really lends itself to a wonderful outdoor life. So I found the winters in Canada were just very harsh by comparison. Um, I did try to snowboard unsuccessfully for a couple of years after some Canadians advised that the sooner I started enjoying winter sports, the sooner I would enjoy <laughs> snow. Um, that was fairly unsuccessful. And there's a quote that always uh, gives me a giggle by Carl Reiner that sticks with me. And it says, a lot of people like snow. I find it to be an unnecessary freezing of water. <laughs> <laughs> and I would tell Canadians, you know, if you've lived without snow all your life, it is completely unnecessary. But since having children here in Canada, I've learned to uh, take them out in the winter to do some of those fun winter activities like sledding or tobogganing, building snowmen. And uh, we go out on milder days generally. Our current winter goal is to learn how to ice skate. Mm -hmm. My children are actually flabbergasted that I don't know how to ice skate. <laughs> and I tell them that there's no ice in Zimbabwe. And so now it's funny to them to imagine a place where there's no ice and snow. Whereas when I grew up, it was very hard to imagine, you know, a climate like Canada's. And so, yeah, in many of my poems, I reference the sun or the warmth of Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. And it's really something that I long for as I grow older in a cold climate. Yeah, I um, I noticed the references to the sun and even the warmth and the colors, the red, oranges in Zimbabwe. And yeah. Canada was cold and white. I would like to say a similar, but reverse relationship to winter because I'm well I'm in Ontario but southern Ontario too because our in Ontario itself the winters vary very much from like southern Ontario to northern Ontario so okay. you in Calgary I think you have much more difficult winters than I do here in southern Ontario so I would invite you to come to southern Ontario our winters are quite mild I would say i Ontarians might disagree with me some, some, but we have quite mild because I grew up in Newfoundland. Okay. And so we had harsh winters there. So when my husband and I moved to Ontario, um, oh my gosh, it's been, I think, 30, almost 30 years now. I don't know. I think I've only complained about the winter maybe once or twice. If I complain about it, it's because I find they tend to be a little drearier and not as much, not as much sun mm -hmm. as we had in Newfoundland. But as far as like, uh, the cold, I will take a Southern Ontario winter over a Newfoundland winter anytime. But I do not like winter sports. So I join you there. I hibernate in the winter, even here. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. It's not for me. I would, I like that quote from Rob Reiner. I can agree with him there. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can do without the snow. <laughs> okay, moving on from our weather report. So your poem, Suffer Continues or suffer continue deals with the process in the early 80s in Zimbabwe of changing the names of towns road lakes and rivers from colonial names to names that reflect Zimbabwe's independence there is a line in the poem what does it matter what we call a road if that road might lead us all to peace 
Could you discuss its relevance today as Canada reckons with its colonial past? I would start by saying in that poem when I say, what does it matter what we call a road? I am addressing white people. I know that it mattered very much to black people in Zimbabwe what things were called. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born two years after independence, but colonialism is far reaching and I recognize the life of privilege that I had in Zimbabwe and continue to have now in Canada is very much rooted in that colonialism. When I first came to Canada, what astounded me was that I never saw Indigenous people in my daily life. I thought at the time, but didn't dare say to anyone, um, that at least in Zimbabwe, Black people had their independence. And it was shocking to me to discover that in Canada, just as in Zimbabwe, there's a long history of racism. Mm -hmm. And although there's major strides towards reconciliation here, I still feel that there's a fracture, a disconnect, um, a segregation in society. In one of the poems in the book called From Silence to Song, there is an echo of the shame for the legacy of colonialism. And a few lines later, um, I reference children's bones being dug from unmarked graves, which speaks to the residential schools in Canada and this reckoning of the horrors that have been endured uh, in both these countries as a result of colonialism. Yeah, I couldn't help but think of what Canada is going through when I was reading this poem, Mm -hmm. even as far as when we're uh, changing the names of schools or taking down statues of uh, uh, colonialists or prominent colonialists. There are people who will argue, well, why change the name? Why take the statue down? Because it is more, I guess it's more comfortable just to leave it there, right? For a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know that you were thinking of the Zimbabwe independence, but I found this poem just very picked up on a lot of worldwide topics. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Now, as I was first reading through your collection and reading about your relationship with Zimbabwe, because I could tell how much you loved the country, but I couldn't help but think of your children, your young children and their relationship to Canada. So in your poem, Star and Song 4, you do mention that for them, Canada is home. Has your children's relationship to Canada changed your relationship to Canada? Most definitely it has. Um, I was asked over the many years that I've been here now if I consider Canada home. And it was a hard question for me to answer because I've always felt that I lived and worked here because it was too difficult to return given the circumstances in Zimbabwe. But that didn't change for me that Zimbabwe was still the home of my heart. And the poem Star and Song for it's from a collection of the same name that I wrote for my daughters. It actually came to me in Canmore in March last year. We were visiting for a few days. I had taken a photograph of the Rocky Mountains reflected into the river, you know, just beautiful scenery. And when I stood there gazing at this magnificent view, I felt this uncanny jolt of recognition that when my children see this stunning landscape, they will know it as their homeland Mm -hmm. and they will have um, that same connection, the same affinity to this land that I have to Zimbabwe. In seeing those mountains in, in that moment through my children's eyes, I felt the first sense of belonging in Canada that I have ever known. And until this book was published, I hadn't shared that poem or that reflection with anybody else. Um, But there was a peacefulness in the acceptance that this land will call to my children in the way that Africa calls to me. Yeah, that's beautiful, Jennifer. 
to close today, will you please read one of your poems for us? I would love to hear a poem in your voice. Okay. Uh, because we were just talking about it, I'm going to read you Star and Song 4. Excellent. These mountains are not mine, but they belong to my children. They will hear the valleys and the rivers call to them as I do not. They will yearn for this Arctic sun as I for an African one, and they will call this land home, though I will never rest here. They will hear the singing voices of these people as I hear in my heart the songs of dirt roads and bougainvillea and September skies lost to me. My children will stand firm upon this land, and when they belong to it, I will remember that I belong to them, and I am entirely at home when their faces shine on me. Oh, that's beautiful, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you. I have to ask, are you working on a collection at the moment? I am working on a collection at the moment. I have a collection called The Bone Cave. and okay. It is um, about eating disorders and body image. As a ballet dancer, I struggled with anorexia and bulimia for 23 years. Wow. And uh, so my next collection of poems is a work about that journey. Oh, exciting. And can uh, where can we find, where can our listeners find your current book? So it is available at Off Topic Publishing. So if uh, listeners go to www.offtopicpublishing.com forward slash books, the book is available as an ebook for $3.99 Canadian and in print format, it is $12 plus postage uh, anywhere in the world. And your new collection that you're working on, will that be available from Off Topic as well? Yes, it will be published by Off Topic Publishing as well, uh, hopeful for sometime this year. Oh, excellent. Well, I look forward to reading that one as well. So, thank you. Yeah. So thank you for joining us today and for sharing your poetry, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely to be with you. Thank you for joining us on our bookish journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing Canada Reads American Style wherever you listen. You can connect with the podcast and Rebecca on Instagram at Canada Reads American Style and with Tara at On a Branch Reads. Until next time, keep reading.